Let's pray before we look at Psalm 37. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for your promises to us that give us hope, that give us comfort, that guide our lives to know the truth and to walk in righteousness. And pray that we put our, our faith in you, that we'd be strengthened by your word, and that by your spirit we would know and see the truth. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Doing uh, a walk through Psalm 37 here, we're looking at verses 12 through 24. Verse 12, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and giving. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. And I want to repeat verse 16 here. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. Now on its face there, that's quite the claim. That's kind of a radical claim, especially in our very materialistic society. <laughs> we, we, speaking of our society, do not like uh, that claim. We, we, want to have, well, we want it both ways. Can I have it both ways? I, can I have all my stuff and my materialism and my righteousness? I want it both but especially the materialism half, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of a mindset that, well, if I don't have all my that stuff, then I've lost everything. Psalm 37 asserts something radical, that it is, it's better to be righteous and poor than to be wicked and wealthy. And the reason is because the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord upholds the righteous. And so we know life will have hardships, but how you choose to live your life, how you choose to face those hardships depends on how you think the world works. So how, how do you think the world works? If you think it's, hey, I got to look out for me because no one else will, that's one way you think the world works works? Or is it the way Psalm 37 teaches that, the wick, that there is a judgment coming for the wicked, but the Lord upholds the righteous? 
So I'm, I'm going to first look at that, the first truth there, the fate of the wicked. There is a judgment coming for the wicked. Evildoers will be destroyed. Evildoers will be destroyed. And so first, to clarify, who are evildoers? When we look through these verses, there's, we can pick it out from a lot of verses here. Verse 12, evildoers plot against the righteous. They, they gnash their teeth at them, <laughs> which is that they openly express their hatred against the righteous. Well, why? Well, although the wicked oppress many people, anyone they can, really, they particularly want the righteous gone because the righteous remind them of their own sin. And I'm sure at some point, all of you have been pressured to do something wrong. And when you said, no, I won't because it's wrong, I would be willing to bet that most likely those pressuring you got angry and probably pressured you even harder to join them in doing something wrong. And we even see that the, the, there's a wickedness that, that rejoices when those who belong to the church or who belong have the righteous label fall into doing something wrong and get caught doing it. They rejoice over that. They're happy about it. Why? Well, because it, it comforts their own dark conscience. They love to see the righteous fall. They want to remove anything that would testify that their deeds are evil. Verse 14, the wicked also aim their weapons at the poor and needy. They plan to kill the upright. Verse 20, they are enemies of the Lord. And that's important to clarify. Not everyone that you have a problem with is an enemy of God. But they're the enemies of God are marked by this. They are against him. They are against his authority. They're against his holiness. And it says the wicked are also marked by this, verse 21. They do not repay what they borrow, nor do they intend to. Now then, what is the fate of the wicked? Well, the Lord laughs at all his plots to overthrow God's righteous rule. Because God sees, he sees his day of judgment coming. It's on its way. It says, verse 15, their sword shall enter their own hearts, their bows shall break. So this means that the very things which the wicked think are building up their power are actually their self-destruct button. And, and sword and, and bow can represent a lot of things here i mean it's it, it's literal but it's also it represents their power to do harm uh, and the sword all represents power of force forcible harm but ultimately death so the sword often is a symbol of, of the power to kill and we'll we will return to that later um but but many of these truths of of the weapons of the powers of evil turning against evil turning and ruining them we, this idea, this truth is often, often represented visually in, a, in our fantasy stories. And you think of, there are stories that have like a, a cursed weapon that yes, it temporarily gives great power to the one who uses it, but ultimately destroys him. Or there are stories about where the, where the weapons literally float and attack their master, attack their users and turn on them. Or there are stories of cursed gold 
where the treasure is literally storing up all the evil deeds of its evil masters and returns all those evil consequences back on those masters. And so there, there's, they, there's all sorts of stories that use this idea, and these, but they represent a, a biblical truth, and that is that evil destroys itself. The very things it uses for its own power are its undoing. And I'm sure most of you, many of you can probably recall a time in your life when, in hindsight, you can look back and be like, oh, I did something wrong to get something I felt I needed. Maybe I didn't see it as wrong at the time, or maybe I was just really desperate. But later I could see, oh, the cost of doing that was far greater than anything I gained. The, the, that choice actually ruined my life afterwards. And, and I think of examples of things I, I've witnessed and others are seen. And, I, and when it comes to my mind is I've just seen leaders who use anger. And, and, and it's a misuse of anger. It's using rage. And they use rage to put urgency into the people they're leading. And they start using it all the time, constantly. But it's a self-destructive cycle because the people they're leading eventually tune it out. Because it's constant, so they just become less responsive as they become numb to the constant rage. And so the, la- the leader that just gets angrier and more wrathful and rageful until he gets out of control and he finally crosses a line and becomes destructive, and then he loses everything. So what he thought was a tool to lead people ended up ruining Going on, verse 17 says, the arms, the arms of the wicked are broken. And this makes me think of an old far side comic that my dad loves, <laughs> which is, there, there, it's just a picture. There's a hospital room. There's a man in a, in a full body cast, head to toe, sitting in the hospital bed. And standing in the room is his friend in a, in a full arm cast talking to the doctor. And the friend says to the doctor, so my friend here says, do you suppose that gorilla is just is dead or just sleeping and obviously they intend, they then antagonized the gorilla and it was not dead <laughs> and that's you know play stupid games win stupid prizes right <laughs> just, but we're thinking that okay they're in this full arm full arm cast or full body cast and some of you know this experience of having of, of, the, of that full arm cast. Because when you have that full arm cast, you, that arm is powerless. You can do nothing with it. You can't, you can't feed yourself. You can't clothe yourself. It is so infuriating because you just feel helpless. And that is the fate coming for the wicked. Their power <laughs> is broken. They will be helpless in that way. And then verse 20, the wicked shall perish. They shall, they shall vanish like smoke. So that's, that smoke might be making the whole world look dark right now. But it will blow away. And verse 22, they shall be cursed by God. They shall be cut off. So cut off like a, like a branch is cut off from a tree. Because without its connection to life, that branch, it withers 
it dies, it crumbles, and eventually blows, so it crumbles to dust and blows away. It is cut off and dead. And we need to hear this truth so that we can resist the path of evil. Because if this, the Bible, if this is the way the world works, then no short-term gain from evil can be worth the cost. And we also need to hear this because some, sometimes, sometimes, we are experiencing these consequences and we don't realize we've brought it on ourselves by our own choices and we can't see that. And we need God's word and his spirit to wake us up. Evil choices have consequences in both this life and in eternity. That's the bad news. Now for the good news. Maybe. The Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord upholds the righteous. And who are the righteous? Well, verse 14 says, their way is upright. So their conduct, the direction of their life is righteous. And it says he is blameless. So no evil can be blamed on his actions or his negligence. Verse 21, they are generous and give. Verse 23, they delight in God's way. So they seek righteousness and because they desire righteousness and because they trust God for their welfare, they, they don't hold tight to their wealth. They, they are generous to those in need. And then verse 16, better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. And why is it better? Because the wicked will be cut off, but the Lord upholds the righteous. And this does not mean a, a righteous, this does not mean a prosperous life free from all troubles. It means that even when you have little, even when you are helpless, the Lord upholds your life. And when the righteous persevere through their troubles, we, we look back and we say, there, there's no other explanation except that the Lord brought me through. The Lord upheld my life. And, and that is my story. Because I look at, at the times in my life with the worst troubles, the times in my life when, when I wanted to walk away from the faith. And, then, and, and I must wonder, how did I end up where I am today? With my, with my wonderful wife and my three beautiful children and a, a preacher of the gospel of God's word. How did I end up here? Because when I look at myself, I'm like, I'm, I'm shy, I'm indecisive, I'm, there's nothing like a, that I'm like extraordinarily good at. <laughs> like, how did I end up here? Especially, how did I weather those troubles? And I look back at it because I know God upheld me. God brought me through. He was my strength. When, when my heart was going to let me down and my strength was going to let me down, he's the one who upheld me. And then verse 18, the Lord knows that he knows the days of the blameless. So he knows the measure of his life. His days are protected. He will reach his journey's end. His heritage is forever. 
It, it, it remains. It's there. And then verse 19, they are not put to shame in evil times. And evil times are desperate times, and desperate people do desperate things, even evil things that they never thought that they would do. But those who are upheld by God will not be put to shame. Even in evil times, they keep their integrity. And in days of famine, they have plenty. This, this doesn't mean extravagance. <laughs> this means that each day there's, you have enough for you and even to share with another. And that says the righteous are blessed by the Lord. They will inherit the land. So all that they need to sustain life will be theirs and will not be denied them in that time to come. And verse 23, his steps are established. And to be established, that that's to have a solid foundation for everything else to be securely built upon. And then we, we talked about slipping on ice, and, and I'm sure we're all thinking about, well, how do I carefully walk on this ice so I don't slip? And boy, it'd be so nice to have those mountain climbing boots with the long, thick spikes so you could just stomp into that ice, right? You're like, yes, I'm just... I'm, stabbing right down into the ice and I'm not going anywhere. But imagine also having like, imagine if, if as you walk, just guardrails just appeared with you, you know, along the way. So even if you did slip, oh, there's something you can, you can catch on, even if you did fall. And verse 24 says, even though he falls, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. And, and here I, I kind of imagine Mario Kart, if you've ever, for those who have played Mario Kart and your, your kart, you go off the racetrack completely, especially Rainbow Road where you go off and you're falling down. But then the little turtle on the floating cloud swoops down and picks you up and puts you back on the track. And I imagine it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of like, even if you fall, he upholds you, he catches your hand, he rescues you. And this talks about a specific type of fall. He falls headlong. That means face plant. That means your hands are not catching you. Your, your face, your head is just taking the direct force of that fall. And if you are falling on stone, that usually means death. And it says even if you fall, you don't fall that way. No, the Lord catches you. The Lord upholds your hand. And pulls you up. So this is what it means that the Lord upholds the righteous. In the middle of their troubles, God upholds them. Their little is, is enough. When they have no strength, God is their strength. Troubles that should have been their end are not. God brings them through it. And this has been true of my troubles and it's been true of of many good Christian families that I've seen with, who have troubles far worse than mine. Because I've known good Christian families who have constant troubles. It just seems like, like every month it's something new. It just never stops. And, you know, major household appliance breaks, and then the car's totaled, and then there's a new chronic health problem, and then there's a child health emergency, and then there's a break-in, and then it just on and on and on. And it's and I'm praying for them, and I'm crying out with them, like, God, why is there so much trouble? When is the, can't they get a break? 
Can't they catch any break at all? And yet, as they have persevered, persevered through the years, they too look back and gladly say, the Lord upheld me through it all. The Lord upholds the righteous, but the wicked shall perish. And yet, while most of this, most of us, even, in, even the outside world, would profess that this is how it should be, very few live as if it actually were. And, and, and these truths are hard to hold on to and see in the middle of trouble. And it often seems that the, the righteous are regularly troubled and that the wicked rarely does their judgment come as soon as we wish it would. But also, the more we look at, at God's righteousness, the more we see the wickedness in us, and the more we see that well, we do not deserve this support promised here. Nor we, we deserve the judgment that is coming. Galatians 3.10 says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So how can there be anyone righteous for God to uphold? Only by his grace and not by our works. And yet, we can be sure that judgment is coming for the wicked and that the Lord does uphold the righteous because of Jesus Christ. He is the paradox that upholds both these truths and provides a way for the wicked to be saved from the coming punishment. And this is because for Jesus' sake, God treats you as righteous. Jesus was treated as the wicked so that the wicked could receive the fate of the righteous through him. And when we look at this psalm and we look at Jesus, Jesus, he is the righteous in this psalm. He's, he's the victim of the wicked, and yet he received the fate of the wicked in this psalm. And we look at the life of Jesus, just like the wicked plot against the righteous, the, the Jewish Sanhedrin plotted against Jesus. They, they aim their, their sword and bow, their accusations, at him to kill him. And he was betrayed, and, they, and then they condemned him and crucified him. But in Jesus' condemnation and in, in, his, and in his death, he endured the fate of the wicked. He, he was made helpless. He was put to shame. He was condemned as a criminal. He perished. He died on the cross. He was cursed. He was cut off like that branch cut off the tree. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus is truly the righteous one described in this in Psalm 37. He became poor and needy, he forsook all worth and all wealth and power. His way was upright, he was without sin in every way. And he was generous and giving 
Matthew 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is also the righteous one in verse 24. Even though he falls, the Lord upholds him. Because even when Jesus died, he was not put to shame. The Lord raised him from the dead so that all could see he is the Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus turned his death into his victory over evil. And remember earlier we talked about, I talked about the sword is the symbol of force and power, but also ultimately death. And the psalm says that their own swords, the wicked ones, their own swords shall be turned against them. And this is what Jesus does in his death and resurrection. He turns death against evil, against the devil. Because the weapon of the devil, death, which he aimed at, at Christ the Savior to kill him, Jesus took that weapon of death, and in his resurrection, he made it. He turned it against evil to put the death, the sin, in our hearts. And now anyone who treat, trusts in Jesus is treated as righteous. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So then, every Christian is a redemption story. You are someone whom judgment was coming for, but for Jesus' sake, you are treated as the righteous. God redeems you from your sin. God opens your eyes to see that he has been with you in your troubles all along. And God gives you faith to believe his word to you. The Lord upholds the righteous. And for Jesus' sake, that means you. You are the righteous that God upholds in this life. And that means you can face life's troubles with confidence. Because the Lord knows your days. Your heritage is forever. And there is no trouble that will overcome you because the Lord upholds your life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise that you uphold the righteous. And for Jesus' sake, you, we, we are the, the righteous in Jesus. And you uphold our lives and you are with us in our troubles. And pray you give each of us faith to trust in you, to trust in your word. Um, even in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our fears. And um, may we trust in you every day of our life. May, and as we trust in Jesus and his, the grace in him, may we also grow in him. And, and it may be said truly of our hearts that we delight in your way. And may we grow in, in the generosity, the giving of Jesus and in the righteousness of his way, so that this also may be said of us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.